Welcome back, Freedom Pack family. Today, we have got a crazy, crazy episode for you guys. This episode today is specific to social media strategy and how we can get our messages, our products, our services seen by the people that we want to view them. This episode, I would say, is perfect for anybody trying to grow a social media presence, whether that is Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, blogging, whatever your platform is, you should be able to take great advice from this episode. So... When we wanted to do this episode, we decided that we were going to go and track down some of the most effective people on the planet for doing this. Our guests today are people that are absolutely smashing the social media game. And they haven't had to make any porn videos to do so. If you combine the number of followers between these guys... There's more than 3 million active followers between them. We are joined by Evan Carmichael and David Meltzer on the same episode. It's just crazy, right? Let's start with Evan. His official bio is that Evan sold a biotech company at 19, was a venture capitalist at 22, raising $15 million. Now he runs one of YouTube's biggest entrepreneurial channels with more than 2 million subscribers. I'm sure you guys have seen the 10 rules of, which is just a brilliant concept. And Evan is a hugely, hugely impressive individual. He is also the founder of Believe Nation. He holds two world records. Evan has received accolades such as being one of Forbes' top 40 social media talents, one of Inc.'s 25 must-follow keynote speakers that you need to know. And then David Meltzer. Wow. David won the 2014 Humanitarian of the Year Award, is the founder of Sports One Marketing, has a net worth of over $120 million dollars, is a best-selling author, podcaster, judge, and star of the brilliant Elevator Pitch series. This episode will give you the strategies, tactics, and knowledge to be able to turn your personal brand or business into whatever you can conceive. It gives you simple formulas and tactics to follow. We've recruited the best people in the world, in our opinion, for this episode. So I'm sure you'll be able to take something from it. If you guys enjoy this episode and take value from it, please, please, please leave us a rating and a review. It's our only ask and it just helps us so much with the visibility of the show and it allows us to keep getting amazing guests like David and Evan on. So the format of this will be Evan is up first and then David will swiftly follow afterwards. Without any 
further ado, Evan Carmichael and David Meltzer, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Thanks for the love, guys. Great to be here. We want to speak to you today about how you have built such an empire. There are millions of influencers and there are billions of posts every single day. How do we get our message heard? You have to have something important to say. It's got to mean something to you. You have to have emotional commitment behind it. I mean, how you cut through is by speaking truth. And the truth that you will speak is something that, that cuts to you at the core that then you feel people need to know. I think a lot of people are just, it might just be sharing other people's quotes and everything else. But even this, like why should somebody listen to this podcast versus some other podcast? There's tons of podcasts. Why this one? Well, you guys are going to ask amazing questions that other people don't ask that are based off of your truth that you genuinely care about. And that's what makes it different because it's your perspective versus just asking the same questions everybody else asks. In the age of social media now, I think people's attention has, has become a massive commodity. So my question is, are there any essential components you use to capture somebody's attention through a social media post rather than them just seeing it as a post, liking and moving on? I think attention has always been the um, the asset. It's just social media is where people are putting their attention, so that's where you need to play if you're if you're a brand, if you're an entrepreneur, if you have a message that needs to get out. I think people are willing to listen to you. I think people blame attention span, but meanwhile, you'll sit through a three and a half hour Star Wars movie. You know, it's not it's not that the length is a problem. It's that there's a, there's a lot of options, and if it's not good from the gate, you're going to lose people because you have options. So if you're scrolling through your Instagram, you need to hit me immediately. If it's a video, the first five seconds matter, right? Most people's first five seconds of a video sound something like this. Hey, guys, welcome back. It's me. Uh, I hope you're having it. Gone, right? Gone. Mm -hmm. you, you need to lead with a powerful opinion. You're not making content for your friends. If you want to grow your impact, you need to make content for people who don't know you. And so, welcome back. This is my first time seeing you, right? If you're growing, 80% of the people who see my YouTube channel are not subscribers. They're new people. So, you're not welcoming them back. You're welcome for the first time. And so, you need to hit me with a powerful opinion. Hit me with the truth. Make me want to pay attention. But this has always been the game, like newspapers, to have a story on, on the front line, right? The front page. It has to be an attention-grabbing headline that pulls people in. It's always been the game. It's just people aren't applying the tactics that have always worked to social media. So the first five seconds matter. The first sentence of your post matters. Hit me with a powerful opinion that means something. Do we need to be brave with our message? Does social media favor risk-taking like you just talked about with it? The world favors risk-taking. Otherwise, what? Your vanilla, boring, pared-down version of yourself? Like, who wants to follow that? I want someone who's going to tell me the truth and help me. You mentioned earlier about maybe just sharing quotes of other people, and it, and it got me wondering, how personal should we make our content when we're thinking about our personal brand? Should we post about ourselves and our own ideas more than people we admire and 
does creating content surrounding somebody else dampen our own personal brand in any way? Well, you don't have a personal brand if you're not sharing personal things. That's that's the definition of a personal brand. So how personal do you get? The more personal you get, the more people will connect to you. So I believe that your purpose comes from your pain. That the, the whatever you struggle with the most in life, your purpose then is to help other people not struggle through that same pain as much as you did. And that will never get old. You'll love doing that for life. I love helping entrepreneurs because I struggled so much as an entrepreneur. I don't want other people to struggle as much as I did. Not just financially, just emotionally. I don't want people to struggle as much. So I put out content that makes people believe. And I share my story and I, I come on shows like this to help spread the message because nobody wants to learn from the perfect person. It's, it's in the chinks in your armor that you're afraid to share. That's where people will actually connect to you and feel like, oh, this person is an actual human being and I can learn from them because they're like me. Because the biggest thing, if you're a personal brain and you want to move people along, you want to influence them. Somebody's going to look at you, you're giving advice, you're telling them what to do. They're going to look at you and say, well, easy for that person. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what, I, what my situation is. It's great that you're there now, but you don't know where I am. Meanwhile, you know exactly where they are. You came from a, a worse situation than they did. But if you're not willing to share it, then you don't make the connection and then they don't listen to your advice. There has to be an emotional connection to the audience before they will ever listen to the logical arguments that you have for them. If we're just starting out in a particular niche, say mm -hmm. we're just starting out in, in fitness or we're starting out in coaching and we don't have that necessary experience behind us, but we're learning our skills, we're developing, we've got a big drive. How can we get people to buy into our message on social media? Then you, they buy into the journey that you're on. Don't, don't talk about stuff that you don't know about. Because people have a very high BS filter. If you don't know what you're talking about, you're going to be exposed super quick. Right? So you only talk about what you know. Now, one, you may know some things. So if you're starting on a fitness journey, do you know more than you did five years ago? You know, if that's yes, then there's somebody, there's a lot of people who are like who you were five years ago. You speak to them. And you're never done. Like you're growing, you're learning, you're always trying to improve and get better and get more knowledge. And the more you learn, the more you can share and help and give back. And in your process of learning, you take me on your journey. If you're brand new, like you knew zero about fitness, nothing about health, you're you're 400 pounds, you know nothing. You're like, my, I'm tired of this life. I need to make a change. Or you're starting the podcast. You know nothing about it, but like we want to start a podcast. Then you take people on the journey because just a willingness to try is an inspiration. Just understanding what your motives is and what your steps are and seeing you get up and doing the thing, even if you're failing, the willingness to try will be motivation for somebody else to say, if they can try it, maybe I can try too. And that's the start of your personal brand. A common gripe or a common excuse uh, I've heard through talking to listeners is when they're trying to build up a social media following and they don't have, you know, a, a prior name or a prior success or nothing to really build off. And, and they don't have any, you know, the typical person doesn't have a pre-existing reason to follow you. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the secrets to, to building up a social media following when it really is, you know, you don't have that name, you don't have that success story? 
it's it's it may not be a success story, but it's your story. I need to be able to see myself in your story and say this person is like me. And I want to learn from them. And so that's where you need to take me on the journey. So if you don't have, you know, it, it comes down to can you provide valuable content, right? People will follow you because they feel something and they learn something when they when they follow you. When somebody listens to your podcast, they've learned something. If they if they haven't learned something or they feel something, then they're not going to listen again. So that's always your goal. Now, the more experience you have and be able to give advice because you've done some things, then more you're giving better advice. People will follow for the utility of it. But again, if you don't have any experience, you've never done it before, then it's it's the emotions that I get by looking at your stuff that makes me feel like I could do it too. So again, just a willingness to try. Say I, I have no like if you're if you're getting and you're you're gonna make your first Instagram post, don't come on and and try to make all these claims about how you're an expert and how great you are and boast when you don't have anything. It's it's a house of cards. Instead, you hold up your phone and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done Instagram before. I'm actually really afraid just to do this. I've been holding the phone for 40 minutes and I haven't pressed record and this is it. Now I, I just said, I need to start. And I have a goal. I wanna try to see if I can make a full-time thing out of this because I hate my job, I hate my life. And, and uh, I want to see if this could be my next thing. So I'm going to document my journey. And every day I'm going to make a new video and teach you what I learned and hopefully inspire you to go and chase down your dreams too. Post. Right? You know nothing. But you're learning and you're being vulnerable and you're telling me what you're scared of. And then you tell me what you're trying to do. And somebody who's trying to do the same thing will, will be interested in that. And the fact that you get up every day and start doing it will say, well, I, I, maybe I'm going to do it too. What's my excuse? This person knows nothing and they're doing it, so I can go do it too. You're giving them the value. You're giving them the hope and the belief that they can do it too. There's a quote I love, and it says, good content is its own SEO. Do you believe that good content promotes itself, or should influencers, people looking to grow their own brands, consider ads oh um i wouldn't see it as an either or i see ads as gasoline on the fire so if if you're doing well and the content's going uh you have great content people can share it right i mean people are going to listen to this episode whoever's listening hello thank you for your audio ship i love it uh they could share it some people will and some people won't the ones who don't, it's not that they hate the content. It just wasn't so powerful that they have to go off and share it with somebody. And that should always be your goal. You always want to make a show or, or create a piece of content that is going to move people emotionally that then they want to share. It's never been easier to share content, right? There's all these social media networks that are clicks away that are easy for people to share if they liked it. So the, the default should be, how do I make better content that moves people so that they want to share it? They have to share it. It's the best thing they've seen all day. That being said, if the content is doing well, you can throw gasoline on top of it. You have a little fire, you throw gasoline and it explodes it up. Uh, there's no reason why you couldn't do advertising on top of it. You just need to figure out what your, what your business model is gonna be. So how are you gonna, how are you gonna if you're spending money, how are you gonna make money from it back? Is your goal just to gain followers or are you trying to sell a course or you have a coaching service or a product that you're trying to get out there um 
I'm always scared of spending money until I'm making money. So yes, you could dump a bunch of ad dollars into something, but is it going to lead to the result that will help you drive your business forward or not? Is there a case of producing sort of interactive content? Because I saw a post you put on your Instagram the other day and it was something like, pick your start in five. You've got $15, um, mm-hmm. pick one from each category. And that is the type of content that generates comments, which I imagine generates you know a wider audience. Is that the type of content you should be aiming to make where it encourages comments and, and activity? I think engaging your audience is always a good strategy. I think, you know, at the end of the show, you can ask people what what did they learn or what's the first action that they're going to take. Uh, some mediums are easier than others. Like podcast is hard because it doesn't, there's no built-in communication. But Instagram, YouTube, most of the other platforms is a lot easier, right? It's built in. They can leave a comment right down below. Whether you're just doing it either or, like which quote do you need most today or who do you agree with more, this person versus this person? Or, you know, pick your starting five, some kind of game that you can include in there. Um, Or if it's just something fun, like what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And people get into the comments and uh, talk to each other about it. It's community. It's not just a one-way discussion where you are talking to them. It's community where if people can feel that, that they're part of something, right? I call my community Believe Nation. So... They're Believe Nation. We, you know, two million strong on YouTube and however many across all the other platforms. They can come and there's a place where they can connect with like-minded people. And for a lot of people, even listeners of your show, they want freedom, right? They want freedom. There's a lot of people who, when they go back home to their friends and their family and the people around them, their friends are telling them, "You can't have freedom. What, what are you talking about? You're, this is stupid." You can't you can't be your own boss. You can't set your own rules. You you need to go work at some crappy job. That's that's a big portion of America and and Europe. I know you guys are based in the UK. Um, that's a big portion of the world. Just settling for the status quo. And so then they listen to your show, and and then there's hope. There's a little bit of belief that you know this is possible. Like other people are doing it. Why can't I? And so to then create a community where people can meet other people, somebody in the UK can connect with somebody in where I'm from, Toronto, Canada, and form a relationship and help boost each other, uh, that interaction means something to people because they're not getting that sense of community from their friends and family back home. You are no doubt one of the biggest self-made influencers probably on the planet, definitely that I see today. Let's imagine that you are a shark on Shark Tank. Okay. And someone comes in and they're showing you different social media profiles. What mistakes would someone have to be making for you to put your foot down straight away and say, I am not investing? That's interesting because I don't think that I would I would make a judgment call based off of what they're putting on social media. Um, I mean, I think that the easiest default, if I looked at their social media... If I love the person, but I went to their social media, what would I have to see on it for me to say no? It would have to be something just attacking people, something racist, something sexist, something that is against the human spirit. If I saw that, I don't care how great an opportunity you have, I'm out. We recently spoke to Kevin Kelly on the show, and he talked about the power of having true fans. And what I wanted to ask you, especially with the way 
I feel when I look at Believe Nation is, is it more important for you to convert a follower to a fan or more of a family community feel? Interesting. I don't know that I think that way. Um, I, 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 I want to see it as a family, I guess. It's not so much about me. I mean, yes, I'm creating the content. I'm, I'm the leader of it, but it's much more about spreading the message. And when people can, can connect with each other, even if I never see them again, but I know that they form relationships, that makes me feel amazing. I, I just came back last weekend from Dallas doing an event um, with Tony Robbins. And every time I travel, I like doing a little meetup for whoever's in the area. So we were in Richardson, Texas, suburb of Dallas. We had, I don't know, 25 people show up at a hotel lobby to, to meet me who are fans of the channel. And I spoke to them for an hour and a half or so before I went to the airport. And Q&A, how can I help? What do you guys got? And I may never go to Richardson, Texas again. I don't know. But they form connections. And and they know now somebody else who is a fan of the channel. They see other entrepreneurs who are trying to do their thing. They're around optimistic, positive people. And some of them then go on to form relationships, whether it's a formal business relationship, business partners, or just having somebody else that you can connect with who is of the same mindset as you, I think is one of the lasting things that I want to leave much more than you're a fan of Evan Carmichael. Do you think that it's more important to have a, a niche type where you know exactly who your avatar is, who your main person that would be reading your posts are, or do you think it's a case of just documenting your story, which may not be as specific to that niche? I think it's the same thing. Like, I think that your avatar is the person you used to be. You've decided to then take this new journey. You're going on a quest. You're making a podcast. You're launching a YouTube channel. You're writing a book. You're quitting your job, whatever. Your avatar is a person who, who was afraid to do that. Who wanted to do that but but let fear stop them they were scared and now you're going back and you're you're helping them and then every that's what that's step one on your staircase and your goal is to climb the staircase forever you, you don't want to ever stop climbing because then you hate your life you want to grow forever so you're climbing the staircase ad infinitum but every time you you take a step you then reach back and pull somebody else up to your step to your level Humans are built to serve. You want to, you want, it's hardwired into us. You want to help. And so who can you help? Well, it's the people who are going along the same journey as you. So I can help. I mean, my one word is believe. It's my most important core value. I could, I could believe in anybody and I do, but the people who I love the most are, are entrepreneurs who struggled just like I struggled. They face, they're facing the same problems that I'm facing. Um, I, I resonate, even though like I've sold my business and had success and have a team of 20-something people now and all that stuff is great, I, I still resonate way more with the startup entrepreneur who is struggling to, to get their thing going off than, than my entrepreneur friends who have tons of money and made it big. Like I just, I just like being, I don't know, I resonate more just being on the street than being in the fancy hotels um, because that's where my pain point comes from. And those are the people who I want to help forever. And as I learn more, I can help more. I'd love to get your take on this because I think there are a lot of conflicting arguments, um, especially from 
the high social media influencers. So when I think of someone like Gary V talks about maybe not worrying too much about the quality and posting more, you know, just post, 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 post. And I want to know, where do you stand on high quality versus daily quantity in terms of content? So one, I think the quantity leads to the quality. I think the more you do, the better you get. If, if you're doing a podcast once a month, you're just never going to get good at the skill. Michael Jordan didn't practice playing basketball once a month. So how do you get good at it? You, you practice. The quantity leads to the quality. The more you do, the better you get. Um, in terms of pumping out daily content, I would say you need to understand what your genius is. What is your Michael Jordan level talent? Because I think most people spend time on the wrong thing. So thought leaders, I see this a lot. So you're a thought leader. You're an expert. You can teach people how to do something, right? You've been through trials and tribulations. You know how to fix this problem. You're going to help people do it. And you're going to make a video that you want to be 10 minutes. So you're going to record for 20 because you're going to make some mistakes. And then you spend the next five hours editing that video. That's, in my view, wrong. You're spending time on the wrong thing. Your version of quality is production quality, not quality of your argument, not quality of the thought. If you're a thought leader, what matters is to make me think like you think. You're a thought leader. I need that you see the world differently. You, I need you to make me think like you think. Having fancy words fly across the screen isn't really going to help it all that much. And so I would say you want to practice spending five hours making a 10 minute video and 20 minutes editing it because your goal is to be able to get up and speak when you get on stage and do live events when you get on the radio station or tv stations and get pulled in you, you there's no edits you need to train this communication skill and so i think most people are training the wrong thing and they're frustrated that they're not getting success because they're trying to put out a one high quality in in air quotes uh piece of content per week but the quality of the thought isn't is just okay the quality of production is what they're focused on and that's the wrong thing in my mind i'd much rather you just pull out your phone and teach me something speak truth with emotion and commitment into the phone and a 10 minute video you want to teach yourself to be able to make it in 10 minutes without editing and then you can post daily with a lot less struggle we're in this generation anxiety depression low self-esteem it's all heavily linked to social media how can we use social media as a tool rather than it using us you need to decide to kick yourself forward instead of down i think social media is amazing uh, i think social media pushes people it pushes people it gives you a kick you just have to decide, is it a kick down, meaning you suck and I can't do this and I'm too overweight and I'm not successful and I want the jet, or does it kick you forward as to this is what's possible? Now, I, look at, I look at Les Brown, young Les Brown is my hero uh, from a speaker perspective and uh, I love it, like young Les Brown is fire. And I look at that and I, and I don't say, wow, I could never be that, I could never be young Les Brown. I look at that and say, that's what's possible. That's what's humanly possible. It's amazing. I think we've always been in this comparison uh, culture. It's just now you're comparing yourself to the nation or the globe instead of just 
your friends and family and people closest to you. So what I would do is I would find people who uh, are doing amazing things that I want to be like and I would follow them and that's what I would consume and use, use their ambition and their drive to pull me up. I think the biggest problem is people are their biggest critics, which is great. I think you should be your biggest critic. I think you need to be harder on yourself than anybody else. You need to be your biggest critic. It's amazing. At the same time, though, you need to couple it with you being your biggest fan. And I think that's what's missing. We're really hard on ourselves, but we don't bet on ourselves enough. We don't think we're awesome. And if you're hard on yourself without the foundation level of thinking that you're great, then that leads to depression, anxiety, unhappiness. One thing our listeners uh, love is practicality and things that they can take away and use today. So coming up, were there any tips and tricks in terms of you know times a day you were posting specific hashtags? Were there any sort of social media hacks that really helped you? That doesn't really make a difference. Time of day doesn't make a difference. Hashtag is almost nothing. YouTube is zero. Instagram does a little bit. But but no hashtag is going to save you if the content is crap. The, the best thing that you can do, 80% of winning, 80% of winning on social media is consistent quality content, right? Consistent quality. If you're posting every day and it's good, you're going to win. The last 20% are different hacks. So... The problem is people rely on the hacks like, hey, I, I did all these hacks. It didn't work. Yeah, because the content sucked and you're not doing it consistently. Right. But if you're looking at if you're looking at hacks, um, let's start with YouTube. Uh, YouTube, I would say a huge hack is making sure that you have consistent thumbnails. You know what an Evan Carmichael thumbnail looks like. What does your thumbnail look like? I want consistency so that when your videos show up down the side, you're you're, they watch one video and then they see your other ones down the side as well and they know to click on it because it looks consistent. Your, your game is suggested views, not search views. People think of YouTube as a search engine. It is, but that's not how you win. You win from suggested videos and you need to rank against your own videos first before you rank against somebody else's. Uh, and you do that by having consistent thumbnails as one tip. Um, for Instagram, right now, I would say making sure you're doing IGTV. Instagram's promoting IGTV a lot more than regular videos in the feed. And so you, you need to have, especially if you're a thought leader, you have opinions, ideas, you should be making videos and posting them on IGTV. Um, and that may, all of this may change in six months. And the hacks are important, but again, it's only that 20% final stuff. 80% is still quality, consistent content. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate the love, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, David, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Man, it is a pleasure. So I feel as if the reason that we've been so eager to speak to you is that we feel as if you are such an expert at getting your ideas to spread. So could you just talk to us? What is the process? How do we go about doing that, David? You know, it's really funny you ask because I think it's the core of all the businesses I've been involved is about what I call finding your frequency. And most people, you know, I just got off a coaching call with someone and explained this to her that you're so worried about. You keep telling me, I want bigger stages. I want to do this. Why is everybody so worried about the outcome instead of worrying about the frequency, right? And meaning that there's three components of frequency. One is the strength of your signal. 
Two is the spectrum of your signal, meaning how many channels uh, people can hear you at or frequencies they can hear you at. And then finally, the clarity uh, of your signal. And where I suggest people focus is on that content, right? Your frequency, your frequency, your product's frequency, your solution, your service, et cetera. If you can stay focused on that and not worry about the outcomes, your uh, signal will strengthen, meaning more people will hear you. Your spectrum will, will widen, which means more people will hear you. And the clarity of what you say will become greater, which means more people will actually hear you. Remember, it's not what you say, it's what they hear. And so people hearing you is very important. And so too many people are focused in on the outcomes and not on the frequency. Let me give you an example. Walt Disney always focused on his frequency, his content, right? In 1940s, he came out with a black and white whistling mouse on flip cards. Today, on a medium that never existed, 470 million people watch the Mickey Mouse Club on YouTube. The reason is, is that Disney always stuck by focusing on his frequency. And that frequency resonates farther, wider, and clearer than anyone else's frequency. Wow. You sort of touched on medium there. So if we're just falling on from that idea you just talked about, does the medium that we're in, does it matter? Or do you think that great ideas will last regardless of the medium? Absolutely, the medium matters. It's because the form of the frequency has to be aligned with the medium that it's presented on. Right. So some movies, for example, can only be seen on full, you know, huge theaters. Right. Other things can be shown on a stage. Other things are meant for Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Facebook or YouTube. There's different amounts of time. There's different demographics. There's different uh, types of, of formatting, whether it's vertical or horizontal. So the three components that you want to worry about in this frequency game is one, the frequency of the content. Two, how are you amplifying it? Meaning leading people, drawing people, asking and attracting people to it. And then finally, third, the mediums. And the mediums range from all types of technology that exist today, have existed in the past, and will exist in the future. So what we need to do is be able to uh, transform our content to align with the mediums in which are, are best utilized for that particular content. Brilliant, brilliant. So just thinking from a, a hyper-practical point of view, how can we, our listeners, and we wonder what sort of process do you have for really capturing people's attention? Because I feel you do this brilliantly. And how do we go about maybe people seeing us as more than just a post? Absolutely. So there's really a five-step process because what you want your content to do is what other people call going viral. I call it thriving, right? So you want your content to thrive, meaning your content creates a life of its own and it markets itself, right? We're not buying ads against it, people. It's a great idea. So how do we do that? One, the content has to have the ability to stimulate interest, transition somebody's interest, share a vision, manage and develop a vision, a vision and thrive. So what are the six steps to do that? One, your content has to be credible. 
So whatever area, demographic, spectrum that you're trying to reach, number one, it needs to be credible. Two, you need to have an emotional attachment. People buy on emotion for logical reasons. Emotion is energy in motion. If you cannot connect emotionally with one of the emotional aspects, you're not going to have, be able to have your content thrive. Then you got to have quantitative reasons, impacts and capabilities, three, four, and five in there, and then a value justified offering as far as the value of what you're saying so that people are going to be like, oh my God, someone needs this, right? There needs to be that complete six in there of credibility, emotional attachment, quantitative reason, quantitative impact, quantitative capability of the content so that someone has a value justified push to make it viral. Meaning, wow, after watching that, I see a value so much that I want to share that to help somebody else. <laughs> Thriving. I, I love that too, man. Um, I think one reason, if I just add to that, that your content does so brilliantly is I feel as if you're very, as Brene Brown would say, you're very vulnerable with your work. You're very open to painting your story. I feel as if your work takes us on a story with you. Is that important for that emotional aspect? Absolutely. So, you know, what I, I look at things just like, you know, viral is thrive to me. Authenticity, right, and vulnerability. Authenticity and vulnerability, what are those? That means the truth, right? And I talk about people need to be consistent every day, persistent without quit in the pursuit of their potential or their truth. What uh, criteria I utilize when I look at my own content is how close to me being truthful is it? Right. And if that truth seems to put me as vulnerable uh, or diminishing my own capacity or, you know, whatever it may be, I think the more vulnerable you are, the less it makes you, the more it makes you invulnerable. Right. Because the truth vibrates the fastest. The truth has no arguments against it. You know, if I tell people, man, I went bankrupt, I was an idiot. You know, what good is it for people behind my back to say, oh, Dave Meltzer's an idiot. He went bankrupt. I've taken all the energy out of it. <laughs> Right. I, I had a client that got busted by the SEC and he, you know, is working through trying to build his business. I said, the first thing you need to do is illuminate the truth. Right. You got to let people know right up front. Hey, just before we start doing business, I want to let you know that I had this problem with the SEC. This is the result of it. But I wanted you to let you know up front in case you don't want to do business with me. But the worst thing that people do is they don't tell people. Then the person falls in love with them. They will start doing business. Two, three months later, they find out the truth. And now you have lost it forever. You've lost all credibility. Same thing holds true for content. The truth is out there. People find it out. You know, I might as well tell you what I am. You know, was I a jerk when I was young? Yes. Did I do things I shouldn't have done when I was young? Yes. Did I surround myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas? Yes, yes, yes. Did I lose all my money? Yes. Did I make mistakes? Yes. But I will tell you today, I am in the pursuit of my potential and I'm enjoying that. In fact, when I teach people, I always tell them, look, I'm on the same pursuit. I'm a hypocrite, right? All of us are hypocrites. So expose, illuminate the hypocrisy of your life that, hey, I'm on stage telling people to say thank you every day, twice a day to change their life. Great advice, Dave. But guess what? It took me nine months to accomplish it myself. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I want people to know the truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 amazing. So so if we're just looking at that idea you just talked about there, is that 
sort of why you would say is sort of bring people along on your story because that that's sort of how I feel when when I look at you I mean this is the first time we're ever speaking but yet I followed you on social media for 18 months to two years and it's like when I heard your voice I was like oh man I know this guy <laughs> I was like I know <laughs> that's him that's <laughs> awesome well let me tell you a good piece of advice I mean, including for your podcast I believe that people align and resonate with lessons and stories and let me tell you why so in life what we're really here uh, to do is learn lessons right and if we're learning lessons it turns every mistake into a miracle if we learn lessons we know that we will not receive that same lesson, right? Lessons will keep on coming if we don't learn them. So I want people to focus in on the lessons and my content and my stories are lesson-based content and stories. I rarely just tell a story to entertain someone, right? I'm always trying to teach a lesson to be more interested than interesting or be kind to your future self or, you know, just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice or, you know, about do it now or student your calendar. There's always a lesson in my stories. But the way people learn lessons best is to tell the stories. And so I tell those stories utilizing my own personal experiences, my history, my knowledge, my experience, my situational knowledge, my dummy tax, all the different things. And I believe, as you said, people get to know you through the stories that I told and the lessons that I've learned. One cool thing about lessons that keep in pique people's interest is that there's a truth in the universe that people ignore. And that a truth is that although we're here to learn lessons, most likely we'll forget every lesson we ever learned at one time or another. That's why we forget to be kind. We forget to do good deeds. We forget to open doors. We forget to say thank you. Our ego-based consciousness gets in our way and curls our connection to the truth. But moreover, what empowers me is that we have the capability of accessing and remembering those lessons at any time. So although we're going to forget them for sure, we do have the power to remember them. And what I want people to do through my stories, through my lessons is to remember the lessons and hopefully through the stories, allow them to be more inspiration and motivational. You know, there's no reason for people to line up an hour and a half to talk to me after I tell them to say thank you before they go to bed and when they wake up, everyone in the world, if they're speaking, has been taught to say thank you. But it's not what I say, it's how I say it. It's the stories that I put around it that somehow now touch that person to motivate them to be more grateful, to have a more positive perspective in life. Brilliant. So one thing that I love is how much of a giver you are on social media. I feel as if you're constantly in a in a value-given mindset. So I'd love to know how you can marry these ideas of giving value, yet obviously you are a businessman. You know, we have to, in some way or another, in the end, get something back. How do you marry, marry those ideas of giving so much, yet asking for so little back? Because giving and receiving are the same. So if you take your ideas, for example, what you think in the context of energy, when you give away an idea, it strengthens you. Money is the currency of this vibration. Money is an energy. It's an object of energy, which you put into the flow of the universe. When I give away the value, whatever it may be, from money to ideas uh, to my time, whatever it may be, it's strengthening me. It's 
building my wings so I can fly higher. And what makes me different than most is that I've been able to, from rags to riches, back to rags, back to riches, realize that the key indicator of my throughness, the ability to not only receive, but to allow it to come through me, add value to it and give it away, is really based on faith. Not in a religious context. People can have faith in religion, that's fine. But in order for me, understanding faith, faith of everything, is that it's what I think, it's what I say, it's what I do, which then leads to what I believe, that then leads to the personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, uh, my DNA, my core computer, my chip, which leads to the energy that I put out there for others. That energy encompasses all energy. Faith is the aggregate of what we think they do believe and those unconscious competencies of personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, and the energy that we put out. That energy is truly what attracts what we want. It allows me to have more and more and more. Although I'm uh, you know, extremely philanthropic for the right reasons, a humanitarian at its core, I received so much that it's easy for me to do now because I have enough of everything for everyone. I live in a world of more than enough. I have no scarce thoughts or insecurity. Sorry, I do have scarce thoughts, insecurities, and fears. Here's my illumination. But I have less of it than most people. I go back to center sooner. I live in a world of abundance, and that abundance allows me to give more than I receive if you look at it backwards. I give as much as I receive because giving and receiving are one. Every time I give, I receive. You sort of mentioned it there about building our brand. What would you say is the most effective way for us to monetize our brands? Oh, you know, I'm so surprised more people don't ask me this question. And it's the most critical question you can ask. How do you monetize your brand? You have to reverse engineer it, right? There's no two qualms about it. I'm a profitability person first. Then I apply my passion and my purpose to the plan of profitability. So it's not something to literally allow to happen. You need to create a plan of profitability. You cannot put your full passion and purpose into something unless you have some sort of guide, some sort of focus, some sort of attention on how this is going to be profitable. So in order to monetize a brand, we need to go through a quantitative analysis of those six things that I mentioned, right? What's the credibility of the brand, the emotional attachment of the brand, people buy on emotion for logical reasons. What truly are my quantitative reasons that somebody would pay money for this? What is the quantitative impact it would have, value that it would have? And what capabilities quantitatively do I currently have, want or need into effectuate what I call the ultimate value decision? I named it the pen value decision, uh, which is my wife's uh, maiden name, P-E-N-N, but uh, because I was taught this value by uh, a pen example. The pen example is this. I hold up a normal pen that I grabbed at the hotel, and I ask a room of a 1,000 people, who here thinks I can sell this pen for a million dollars in less than a minute? Nobody raises their hand. I said, who here wants to buy this pen for a million dollars? Nobody raises their hand. Then I give them the ultimate value justification. I let them know that I could easily have everyone buy this pen in less than a minute simply by telling them that this pen is a million dollars. If you buy it from me for a million dollars, I will give you a million dollar loan at no interest. I will also put a million dollars into escrow in anyone's name that you want. And if you cannot sell this pen in one year for $2 million, not only will I relieve you your debt of a million dollars, 
but I'll wire you the million dollars from the escrow account of the person of your choice. Can you see any reason why? Can you see any reason why you won't want to buy this pen for a million dollars? That's how you monetize a brand. You need to have the credibility, emotional attachments, reasons, impacts, capabilities, and a value-justified statement that has nothing but 120 value tied to it. You not only have to be able to articulate the business case of your brand, but it has to carry the energy where people are like, oh my God, I can't see any reason why I won't want to do that. I need one of those. I'll sit in line and sleep over to go buy an iPhone. <laughs> That's when you know that you've done with your brand what you need to do because it's thriving. Amazing. And our last question of this interview, and we thank you so much for coming on, is how important is consistency in spreading our ideas? Oh, you should get an A-plus for your questions, by the way. You obviously <laughs> you do your homework, man, because these are my main issues. Consistency is the most difficult thing in the world because consistency means that you're living outside of ego-based consciousness, that you have no need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, all these different feelings. If you can live in the truth consciousness as close as you can, consistency is the most important thing. The consistency takes people and allows you to take it from the cellular memory into the neural pathways of the mind, the subconscious, and then leads to the unconscious competency. It carries a higher frequency, meaning it has a higher vibration. And the higher something vibrates, the more aware, right? The more aware people are of it, or you can be more aware. You can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. And if you can allow this higher vibration, this pursuit of the truth through consistent behavior, which is the most difficult thing in the world to do. I tell people all the time, go ahead, email me, DM me, do whatever, 30 straight days, anything. Just get in the habit of actually doing that, right? I can tell people to say thank you for 30 straight days. It took me nine months. That's how hard it is to be consistent. But once you build that habit machine, once you figure out what you want in your life and you're able to do it consistently, you accelerate and grow. And acceleration and growth are the key components to getting everything that you want rapidly and accurately. So I think consistency is the most important habit to have. Amazing. Do you have a message for our audience? Absolutely. Number one, remember David Meltzer. That's where you can find me at David Meltzer, David Meltzer on LinkedIn, YouTube, etc. But most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. That's all I ask.